Open your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Matthew, chapter 7. I, I don't know how many sermons I've preached uh, so far on the Sermon on the Mount, but I know this. Uh, I've yet to preach one that hasn't been a rebuke to my own heart. Amen. And I've been looking forward to chapter 7 of Matthew, and uh, we're going to look at verse number 7 in just a moment. Uh, with how the Lord deals with prayer. You know, this particular verse, I, I was looking forward to uh, speaking on this subject, and um, I, I thought, Lord, this is going to be easy. You know, um, it's not easy. It's not as easy. Convicting power of the Spirit of God has been present in my life with this message as well as in the other areas, the other messages. James said, when we open up the perfect law of liberty, we are opening up the word of God. And the word of God shows us who we are, where we are, as we are. And I can tell you what the word of God says about, about us right now. We, sometimes we like to argue with God. But God's always right. I wonder today what you would say about your prayer life. Do you have a powerful prayer life? Or have you allowed the busyness of life to put prayer on the back burner? And to use it only in case of an emergency? Stand with me as we read our text from Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse number 7. And listen, let, let God, uh, let's listen to the Lord as they sat uh, on the slopes near the Sea of Galilee. Verse number 7. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock. And it shall be open unto you. For everyone that asketh, receiveth. And he that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be open. Or what man is there of you, whom, if his son ask bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you, Lord, for this passage of Scripture. And dear Lord, I just pray that you would help us to learn how to pray how to be persistent in our prayers, how to be passionate in our prayers, and how just to pray as we should. Dear Lord, I pray that and ask that you would work in the services this morning. Many of us have problems in our life that we don't know the solutions to. We, we, we struggle trying to figure out a solution and there's nothing we can come up with that's going to help us. Help us, to, dear Lord, to learn how to pray. Help us to see 
your power in our lives. And help us to see your hand working in a mighty way in the problems that we have around us. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you, Lord, for this passage. Pray, dear Lord, that you will use it as you see fit. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. This is the second time that the Lord has brought up the matter of prayer in the Sermon of the Mount. The first time is in chapter 6. When he tells them, do not be like the hypocrites, but when you pray, pray after this model. And he goes on, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Uh, Then he gave us the model prayer. A prayer that we should follow. Uh, We should uh, pattern our prayers after these issues. Now he's speaking again about prayer. He is showing us the importance of prayer. He is showing us how how that prayer should be a priority in every child of God. One preacher put it this way. To take prayer out of the life of a Christian is to take heat out of fire. It's like taking melody out of music. It's like taking numbers out of mathematics. To take fiction out of literature. To take brains out of the skull and expect intelligence. To take blood out of the body and expect help. I'm here to tell you today that without prayer there is no power. Without prayer there is no peace. Christians must live in an environment of prayer. Without prayer you will never have the power of God working with you in your life. I have no failure in my Christian life that cannot be traced back to a failure in my prayer life. We have no failure that cannot be traced to a failure in prayer. You may say, I pray all the time. But you may not be praying correctly. You may not be praying with fervency and passion that God wants you to pray. So the Lord in chapter 6 talks about the practice of prayer. Did you notice that when the Lord said, the Lord did not say, if you pray. He said, when you pray. It is assumed that children would speak to the Father. It is assumed that the servants would speak to the Master. It is assumed that those who have tasted the grace of God will come back for more. So he says, when you pray. That's the practice of prayer. Now when he comes to chapter 7, he tells us about the passion of prayer. Notice that in these verses, Jesus gives us a promise. He says uh, that when we ask, when we seek, when we knock, the door of heaven will be open. And then in verse number 11, says that, that God gives good things to those who ask. Shortly after the Dallas Theological Seminary was founded in 1924, It almost folded. It came to the point of bankruptcy. All the creditors were ready to foreclose at 12 noon on a particular day. That morning, the founders of the school met in the president's office to pray that God would provide. In that meeting was a a man named Harry Ironside. I have one of his books. When it was his turn to pray... He said in his refreshing, candid way, Lord, we know 
that the cattle on a thousand hills are thine. Please sell some of them and send us the money. <laughs> well, just about that time, a tall Texan in boots and open collar shirt strolled into the business office. Howdy, he said to the secretary. I just sold two carloads of cattle over in Fort Worth. And I've been trying to make a business deal go through, but it just won't work. I, I feel God wants me to give this money to the seminary. I don't know if you need it or not, but here's a check, and he handed it over. The secretary took that check, and knowing the situation, went to the door of the prayer meeting and timidly tapped Dr. Lewis Sperry Schaefer, the founder and president of the school, answered the door and took the check from her hand. When he looked at the amount, it was for the exact sum of the debt. Turning to Dr. Ironside, he said, Harry, God sold the cattle. <laughs> now, now I know that some of you are skeptical. That's dramatic. You haven't walked with him long, have you? you? The story sounds just like what God would do. Those of us who know him, those of us who have walked with him, we're not surprised with anything God would do or any means that he would choose to do it. I feel sorry for you today if you've got a little bitty God. I feel sorry for you today if your God doesn't supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. I feel sorry for you if your God can't heal the sick. I feel sorry for you today if your God can't soften the sinner's heart and let them understand God's plan for salvation for them. Amen. What you believe about God, folks, is demonstrated by what you ask God to do. If you have a little God, then you'll, you'll have a small view of God, then you'll ask for little things. If you believe God is awesome, God, if you believe God is omnipotent, if you think, believe God is great, then you will come to God with extreme requests. We are praying to a big God, y'all. We need to, to act like our God can do anything and everything that he wills to do. God's not small. God's not weak. As we look at the verbs that Jesus uses in this passage, Notice the first one he uses. Ask. He puts his, it, it first for emphasis, and he says, ask, and it shall be given you. Let me say something about these verbs. And I'm not, gonna, you know, I'm not a Greek scholar. I have to read behind other people. But they, it's considered, its format is considered... Uh, present imperatives. And that may be a complicated way of saying what it means is it's imperatives, it's a command. It's a command. Uh, and you should not look at this as an optional thing. He's not saying it's a good idea when the family member gets sick. It, it, it's a good idea when you have financial problems or marital problems. He's saying, I've commanded you in any circumstances, ask, seek, and knock. And, and it's, it's a present tense, which means that, that uh, that you do it continually, habitually, always, in every, uh, it, it, is, it is a way of life. and It's not something that you do just every now and then. It's a way of life. And he says, ask. I love how simple 
our Lord treats the most complex things in our Christian life. Prayer, to me, is hard to comprehend. How a human being can come into the presence of an omnipotent, holy God. And he says here how to do it. You ask. You ask. It's that simple. Is there anyone here that doesn't understand that? Is there anyone here that can't wrap your mind around ask? Our Lord says, ask the things that we desire. We were to ask God to give them to us. Philippians 4, 6 says, be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Instead of worrying and fretting, and have worry choke the life out of you, he said, come to God. Let your requests be made known unto God. Can I ask you a question this morning? I, I don't know what kind of week that you've had this past week. I don't know where you are. I, I don't know what you've done. I don't know what you need, but can you think of one reason right now that you shouldn't be bowing before God right now in this service and laying your request before our Lord? Can you give me one reason why you shouldn't be doing that? Can you give me one reason why this past week you didn't do it? Ask. Philippians 4.19 says, when, when we ask, God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. There are times when we have physical needs. We are to ask God for those things that we need. There are times when, when we need grace. And we need to ask God to give us grace. In the Bible, it says God gives more grace. You remember the story of Hannah in the Old Testament? Hannah was barren and she, she asked God to give her a son. She prayed fervently. With much passion, her lips were moving and there was no sound from her throat. And the priest, Eli, accused her of being drunk. Do you know what she named that boy? She named him Samuel. Samuel. L is God. Psalm is to ask of God. She asked God for a boy, and when God gave her a boy, she named him, asked of God, Samuel. What a name. What a woman of faith. What a woman of passionate prayer. She asked God to bless Samuel, and God blessed Samuel and used Samuel to do some unusual things. Let me challenge you today. You teach a Sunday school class. Why don't you pray and ask God to bless your Sunday school class? If you're involved in care, ask God to bless that group of people. If you're involved in agape circle, ask God to bless agape circle. If you're an RU, ask God to bless RU. Whatever you're doing, ask God to bless it. And believe that God will pour out his blessings. He said ask. Now look at verse number 8. For everyone that asks, receives. Well, there are people that use verses like this and say, well, the Bible's not true. Because I asked and I didn't receive. There was a woman in Romania many years ago. 
she was kind of like that. Her kids been coming to church for, for a while, and she didn't understand why they wanted to come to church. And she said to them on one occasion, I don't see why you're going to that church, because they don't give you anything. They don't give you any sugar or flour or anything like that. Apparently there were some other religious groups that did that. That was their ministry, was to go and try to feed all the poor people. Made it hard for sharing the gospel because they were expecting to receive some physical thing. We didn't do that. But one day she started coming with her kids. And she seemed to be enjoying the services. She seemed to be growing. She even made a profession of faith. And then one day, she asked for me to pay one of her bills. Well, I had a lot of these kind of requests while living in Romania. And there was no way I had the resources to satisfy all these requests. Most of the time, I'd go back to the book of Acts when Peter and the other disciples looked at the, the man that was crippled outside the temple. He said, silver and gold have I none. What I have, give unto you. And he and Peter healed the man as he was going, and I can't heal anybody, but I could certainly give them the gospel that's been freely given to me. I can give them what I have, and I would give them the gospel. Well, I did help out in a lot of situations uh, that I felt led to help with, I, but I didn't pay cell phone bills or electricity bills. I, I had church members that didn't have electricity in their homes. When she asked, I... I explained that I cannot help in that way. She replies, well, I asked and I didn't receive and she never came back. Well, when you take a passage out of context, that is the result you get. And, and there's been a lot of other false doctrine that's been from this passage trying to say what God was not saying. God is not saying he's offered you a blank check. Uh, he, and you can just pray whatever you want to pray and God's going to give it to you. You can ask for a new car. He's going to give it to you. You can ask for a, a new big house. And he's just going to give it to you. You can ask for a high-paying government job and he'll just give it to you. That isn't what this is saying. Ask. Well, what is he expecting us to ask? Well, in this context, in this passage of Scripture, what do you think he's saying for us to ask? Everything hinges on Matthew 5.20 except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. You shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Then in chapter 6 and verse number 10, he gives us the model prayer. And I believe that Jesus is saying to ask, seek, and knock everything that is included in the model prayer. Specifically to keep asking for his kingdom to come. Specifically to keep asking for God to deliver you from the evil one. I can't tell you... That God, uh, that you can ask God for anything that you want, and it doesn't matter. To ask God to give you what you want, and it's going to cause you to stray away from the Lord, but God will give it to you. I can't tell you that. It's not true. I'd be lying. And I won't do that. But every time, everything in that model prayer that you ask, seek, and knock, God will give it to you. The second word we see is seek. Seek. This word means diligence. Diligence. Seek means that we, we don't give up in our praying. It means that we, we wrestle with God. We, 
I think of Jacob sometimes. You, you remember the experience that Jacob had? He, he wrestled with God all night. He had his whole family there. He, he crosses his brook. He tells both of his wives and his cucumber vines, I mean his, his concubines. That's, that's right, he had two, two wives. You, you stay here with the kids. So, so he let his wives wrestle with the kids. And he, he goes on the other side and he wrestles with the Lord. There's a man that comes to Jacob. I believe it is a pre-incarnate appearance of the Lord Jesus. Amen. It's what we call a Christophany. Appearance of Christ before he was born in Bethlehem. It's another one of those that happened over in Daniel when they threw in three children, three of the Hebrew children, and there was a fourth one walking around in the fire. Several times in the Old Testament, Christ appeared in bodily form in different places. Amen. And, and Christ wrestles with Jacob all night long. And, and as the sun is coming up, Jacob says, I will not let you go until you bless me. Sad me to think about the lack of passion in my own prayer life. <clears throat> are you with me? Lack of passion. There are times that we, we do it out of duty, out of routine. And we lack passion. When Jacob was fighting for his life, do you think he was just casually fighting that man? I, I don't think his attitude, or do you think his attitude was, well, it doesn't really matter who wins. He was a matter. He was a man. It didn't matter what he, who won. He was fighting to win. He finally figured out it was God this is, this is an angel of the Lord who's fighting with passion. And I want you to know that, that that's the way we ought to pray. God, I will not let you go until you bless me. With that same kind of passion, when, when you know you are praying according to the will of God, when you know that God has spoken, this is God's will, this is God's plan, this is what God wants, this is his desire for his life. Uh, don't give up, don't stop praying, don't throw in the towel, pray and pray some more. Seek. That is persistent prayer. Luke's account of the same scripture of our text in Luke 11, uh, verse number 9 says, And I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. In the context of that scripture, it follows a parable told by Jesus. There's a man who knocks on the door of his neighbor's house. And at midnight, he says, I need some bread. His, his neighbor said, me and my family were already in bed. And, and the man keeps knocking. The reason why he kept knocking is because he was desperate. He didn't have any bread. He wouldn't go away. He was persistent. Some of us have so much money that we aren't desperate with our prayers. Our life is so well put together. That when something happens unexpectedly, there's always a plan that will take care of our problems. We have insurance. We have friends. We have alarm systems. We have manufacturer's warranties. We have forgotten how to be desperate in our prayers. You get down to where you have nothing but God. That's when the seeking takes place. We do a lot of asking, but I'm afraid we do very little seeking. That's desperate. 
Have you ever been desperate in prayer? I know a man who has two sons. His first son tried to do what was right and to follow the rules and listen to God and his parents. But the second one was different. This son would hear the rules and break them. He didn't want to be around his family. He didn't want to go to church. He got involved with the world and started doing the things of the world. And his father became desperate. Everything his father would tell him not to do, he would do it. His father felt it was wise to stop telling him what not to do. And he prayed and prayed because he was desperate. His son was embarrassing him. What would the neighbors think? What would the people who know him say? He prayed and he prayed with a broken heart and tears of sorrow. Later that son went to a church and God began to speak to him. He became convicted of his sin and turned his life around. Later, he started feeling compassion for those he had used to run around with. By the direction of God, he began a, a new outreach. The first skateboarding ministry in the ABA. Called Ride for God. I had to learn how to go beyond asking and begin seeking. Now he has over 30 in his group and one was saved last week. Amen. Listen, social pro programs can't do that. Philosophy can't do that. Some conference can't do that. What it took was a mom and dad who was willing to get on their knees and bow before God. Jesus said, seek. 1 Samuel 15, 11 says, God said, it repented me that I have set up Saul to be king, for he, he has turned, from, turned back from following me and had not performed my commandments. God speaks to the priest Samuel and says, I wish I had never selected Saul as king. You know what Saul's response to that was? The Bible says that the word grieved Samuel. He cried unto the Lord all night. When was the last time that you did that? When was the last time you were so consumed with prayer that you couldn't sleep? We sing a song, Sweet Hour of Prayer, and most of us have never done it. The reason the church doesn't have the power these days is not because we don't have enough money. It's not because we don't have the technology. The reason the church is powerless is because we don't have people who are willing to pay the price and bow before him in prayer day by day. How long has it been since you talked to the Lord? I mean, really talk to the Lord. How long has it been since you told him your heart's hidden secrets? How long has it been since you prayed? That is the problem with power in the church telling you that the power will not return until God's people get on their knees before God. He said, ask, seek. Then he said, knock. To knock on the door. To, to bang on the door. It is someone who is desperate. You know what that, this reminds me of? This desperate praying? It, it's a story of the Apostle Peter. 
uh, at, at night on a ship, and, and he, he's out in the middle of the sea, and he sees someone walking towards him. At first he thought it was a ghost. Jesus says, I'm not a ghost. I, I have flesh and bones. Ghosts don't have flesh and bones. Peter, Peter says, if it's you, bid me to come to you. And, and Peter starts walking on the water. Uh, then he started looking at the strong winds around him and the waves, and he took his eyes off Jesus, and he began to sink. And Peter prayed one of the most powerful three-worded prayers. Lord, save me. Amen. Can you hear in his voice a voice of desperation? Can you see the urgency in the prayer of Peter? How urgent are we in our prayers? How bad do we want to see God's movement? Do we see it as a matter of life and death? Peter did. He understood that if the Lord didn't save him, he was going to drown. So with urgency and desperation, he said, Lord, save me. When the church gets desperate and urgent in our prayers, then we will see the power of God in the church. Lord, save me. There was urgency in his prayer. There was fervency in his prayer. James says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Then he uses Elijah as an example of fervent prayer. He said Elijah was a man subject to like passions like we are. And he asked the Lord for it not to rain. And it didn't rain for three and a half years. And he prayed again and the rain, and it, uh, for it to rain and it rained. Elijah prayed earnestly. He prayed passionately. He poured out his heart to God. You remember when I mentioned Hannah? The priest accused her of being drunk. She said, I haven't drunk neither wine nor strong drink. I'm a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have poured out my soul before the Lord. Listen, folks, prayer is not always pretty. When was the last time you poured out your soul to God? Without any consideration of what your husband might think. Without any consideration about what your wife might think. Without any consideration of what others may think. Just you and God pouring your soul out to God. Do you even know what I'm talking about? Broken to the point that nothing matters. The communion with God in prayer. Now notice the example that Jesus uses us, gives us. You see the words of the text. He said, if, you, if the son asks for bread, are you going to give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, are you going to give him a snake? You, you, you say those words sound crazy. This doesn't make any sense. The point is, in that day, bread was usually round and fairly flat. Uh, and around the Sea of Galilee, all over that land, there were these stones. They were smooth stones. They were round and flat. And, and, and those stones resembled bread. And your son comes up to you and says, Dad, I'm hungry. And you give him bread. You don't give him a stone. The stone may look like bread, but, it doesn't need, but he doesn't need a stone. He needs bread. The idea here is that the father gives specifically 
what the Son needs. God gives us exactly what we need, when we need it. And this is why He's our Father. He knows what we need better than we know how, how to ask. We ask so that we don't... Uh, so that we can show our dependence on him. We ask because he tells us in his word to ask. You know the prayer that's never answered is the one that's never prayed. What about your prayer life? What about your relationship with God? Do you commune with him? Do you want to have fellowship with him? One of the ways that we do that is through prayer. When we become a child of God, we have a special relationship with God the Father, and we can come to Him in prayer, and He hears us. I don't know where you are. I don't know what you need. But I do know the answer is through prayer. I'd like for all of us to stand at this time. Bow your heads. This morning... You're here today without Christ. What I mean by that is there's, there's never been a time in your life when you have acknowledged you are a sinner and confessed those sins to God, believing that Jesus and Jesus alone paid the price for your sins. We're going to ask you to come today. Say, preacher, I want to be saved. I want to acknowledge my sin and I want to put my faith in Jesus. The question is not, are you a church member? Have you ever been baptized? Are you religious? The question is, have you received Jesus Christ? Maybe you need to come today and pray, pour out your heart to God. The altar is open. No one's going to judge you. We're all in the same boat together. You come Pour your heart and soul out to God. However God would want you to respond, please come this morning. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this passage of Scripture. Thank you, Lord, for what it means to each and every one of us, how we're supposed to ask and seek and knock, how that we pray with passion, with desperation, with dependence, dear Lord. We're persistent, dear Lord. Dear Lord, we know you hear us. Lord, just teach us how that we should pray and be the, the prayer warriors that you need. Help us, dear Lord, to see your power through our prayers. Help us to see your healing hand in our lives. Help us to see your solving the financial difficulties in our lives. Help us to see how that you love us and how that you care for us and how that you've provided and you've promised to take care of our needs. Dear Lord, open up our eyes and open up our hearts. There may be some here that's got some burdens. Families, not where they need to be. Giving them heartache. I just pray that you would encourage them to pray. We know prayer works. We know prayer is powerful. We just hope that they will be courageous enough to come and pray. 
however you work in the spirit this morning, dear Lord, I just pray that people will respond. Pray that they'll listen to your pleads and will respond to the invitation. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.